Welcome to the Dimensions book series by K. Arwen. An extraordinary tale of an inner journey and a battle of good against evil. In this podcast, the heroine Kaya tells her own story from book one, The Awakening. Our journey begins on the Scottish Isle of Skye. Parallel realities interconnect and interweave. Step in and enter Dimensions. sitting by the fire and the dogs are lying asleep half wagging their tails and they're thumping against the floor as I watch psyching myself up Lena's sent me an email link for a zoom call it's like watching the countdown of a rocket launch or a missile launch more like I take a deep breath and click on the zoom link her face appears on the screen before me Hi Lena, I say cheerfully. You're working late. Goes with the territory, she replies. Got a few things to tie up before the copy goes to press. I got your email. I wait and find that I'm holding my breath. Instinctively, I already know what Lena's response is going to be. The thing is, Scotland and London aren't exactly connected, are they? It's not going to be easy to pop into the office, is it? She says. "Uh, No, I reply, trying to keep myself upbeat. Although I'm mostly freelance and I work away from the office anyway. Yet, despite my protestations, I already know I'm potentially fighting a losing cause. Well, it's up to you, of course, Lena responds. And you haven't decided for definite yet, but my input is this. If you want to come back to the magazine and write articles along the same lines as past life, then that's great. But if you're wanting to pursue this current avenue within your work, then I don't really think it's conducive to the interests of real women. So I'd be fired, I say. Well, I wouldn't quite put it like that, no, Lena replies. All I'm saying is that readers don't want to know about aliens and other dimensional beings that may or may not have their best interests at heart. But there's no but, Kaya. I'm sorry, but perhaps this is an avenue. If you do decide to explore, then maybe you should consider writing fiction, perhaps a novel. What you wrote in your email was so fantastical, it just can't be true. But it is so, Lena. Every word, I reply. But do you have proof? I mean, can you prove it? 
Well, no, I exactly. If you can't prove it, then who's going to believe you? It's too much, Kaya. It's too much for the magazine and it's too much for me. My advice is take all the time you need in Scotland and see how you feel. If you decide to stay, then good for you. But if you process all this out of your system and end up wanting your old position back here, then let me know. You're a great writer and I'll always have a place for you on the team. Okay, thanks, Lena. She ends the call and I close down the the lid of my laptop. I'm not sure whether to laugh or cry. I've just got a compliment from Lena and have been told that there's always a job at the magazine for me. But at the same time, it looks like I've just been fired. And if that isn't enough to mash my head... All the events in our fine, I've got all that to process as well. I curl up in a ball on the couch and throw the rug over the top of me. For a moment, a feeling of despair wafting through my body. It's funny, although I'm aware of it, I don't sort of sink into it. I mean, this could be a moment that I could really slump and sink into the pit. I've just lost my job. I'm on my my own in Scotland and my head is full of some prophecy that's meant I'm supposed to fill some kind of destiny to defeat the Matrix Lord. (laughs) That would be enough to get to most people. As it is, I'm going to choose to focus on the positive. I mean, I'm thinking about the people that I've connected to lately. May and Alex and... Wilma, even Mrs. Mack, and they're real enough. And then there's the people in Alfheim and Metamorphos, and they're real enough too. And what's more, they're unquestioning in my ability to stand against this Matrix Lord. So when I think about it, there's lots of positive things to focus on if I choose to. (laughs) The ginger dog pads across the floor and nuzzles her head against my hand. <clears throat> Lena's wrong in saying that I could process this out of my system. It's just not an option. There's no going back now. I reach for my journal and taking a deep breath, I connect to that inner part of myself that's always got the answers. And I begin to write. You have to stay strong and believe in yourself, I write on the paper. Life happens through you. If you live an authentic life, you do by your own nature serve others, but serve through doing something that you love. And that allows for the flow to bring you abundance. It's a simple process of emergence and flow. I smile, immediately feeling lighter. Well, my authentic self is emerging. I can feel that. So all I have to do is stay true to that and keep moving forward. Something will unfold that will support this new life. The universe is on my side. Across the other side of the lock, Leodolf was out in the rowing boat. The rowing boat appeared to be gaining a lot of interest. And that morning... Leodolf was being followed by two, two unidentifiable friends, as he now called them. 
were swimming alongside the boat, twisting and turning in the water with an ease and skill that, well, to be honest, Leardolf was envious of. They came closer now, right alongside the hull, and Leardolf was able to see them clearly. They could easily be mistaken for seals at first glance, but close up they looked entirely different. For one thing, they had distinct blue and green tinge to their skin, which appeared leathery and somewhat scaled. They also appeared to have seaweedy-like hair which came to their shoulders. Although it was difficult to tell the true colour as it was always wet and either flowed behind them as they swam or stuck to their heads when they looked out of the water. Why they should be so interested in the boat, or for that matter him, Leardolf was uncertain. Yet he was enjoying their curiosity and seeming trust in him. It had been barely light as he went for his row around the headland, and it was surprisingly calm. The surface of the water, almost as flat as the a piece of glass, as the wind seemed to be having a day off. The sky was clear, and despite the light of the day becoming brighter, Leardolf could still see the full moon shining like a white disc in the sky. He gazed at the moon for a moment, and felt as though the moon was looking back at him. He had the uncanny feeling that it was a huge orbital beast that had as much, if not more, consciousness than him. He felt a deep pulse through his body and a pressure that later he likened to being inside a heated press, the feelings becoming more intense, bringing him to a sweat, and then it subsided. I feel like I've just been scanned, Leardolf thought. Whoever considers the moon a lifeless lump of rock is very much mistaken. A movement on the starboard side of the boat caught his attention and he saw one of his unidentifiable friends swimming towards him. Had they felt the scanning from the moon too, he wondered. He somehow knew that they had. He watched as one of the beings came up to the side of the boat and grabbed onto it, hoisting itself out of the water. It crossed its arms over the side to hold itself in place. Whoa, steady, exclaimed Leardolf, who had nearly been tipped out due to the unexpected lurching of the boat. The being stared at him and blinked, and Leardolf suddenly realised how beautiful they were, glowing with a blue-silver light. That they were part of an ancient race, he was certain. This being had a mythical quality, and Leardolf felt somewhat humbled, and he found himself bowing his head in respect. Leardolf, descendant of wolves, the being said, in a deep musical resonance that touched Leardolf's heart. He looked directly at the being's face. Brother, the voice continued. Who are you? Leardolf asked. Gwynedon of Atlantia, came the reply. Atlantia? I've no time to explain. Your path will become clear. All will unfold. Your destiny awaits you, and I bring you this. Gwynedon reached into the water and took a sword that he had tied to his waist and placed it into the bottom of the rowing boat. This is yours. You'll have need of it soon enough. Leodolf took the sword in his hands. 
It was old and looked like something that would suit a castle museum. His hands tingled as he held it. Recognition? Well, thank you, he said, looking up, but Gwynedon had gone. Leodolf thought he caught sight of him swimming away at speed. Thank you, he called, hoping that he would be heard. He continued to stare across the water in the direction that Gwynedon had gone and became aware of yet another form in the water, deep down, barely visible, but there nevertheless. A long, cylindrical-looking form that moved with torpedo-like speed, its dark shadow in the water giving away its bulk and size. Lidol felt a momentary prickle of panic and then flopped into a sitting position in the boat, staring into the water. First, the waterfolk and now what looked like a sky version of the Loch Ness Monster. He needed to talk to somebody. Lidolf turned the boat round and set off towards the house, his mind made up. He'd pick up Fraser and then row across the lock to Alex and Mays. Well, I walk along the shore and I've met this dog. It's huge and it's sitting on its haunches, staring intently at me. Is it a dog or is it actually a wolf? I've never seen a wolf in real life. Not close up anyway. So I've no idea how big they actually are. But this dog's enormous. I mean, standing it would be well above my hip height and I'm five foot ten. I stare at the dog and uncannily it stares back. I begin to feel uncomfortable. And then I hear a voice. Fraser! Fraser, where are you? You shouldn't wander off from the house. The dog in front of me cocks an ear but keeps its gaze on me. And then there's a whistle. Fraser, you godforsaken mutt, come on! The dog gives me one last look and then, rising to its feet, runs back along the shoreline the way it had come. I stare after it. I've seen my dogs run flat out and yet I've never seen a dog run quite like that one. Okay, it's larger and that would account for some of the difference in speed and gait but, well, when I watch... Fraser, if that's his name, run. Well, it's though its feet are not actually touching the ground at all. It moves more like a shadow. I shake my head and make my way towards the track and towards the village. To collect some vegetables and supplies that I was wanting. There's a supermarket, a co-op on, on the island, but... I don't know. I like getting things from the locals. They're always ready for a chat. And this morning, the storekeeper, he's his usual chatty self and starts talking about the weather. Been a bit cold lately, lass. You're still dipping. I laugh. Oh, you know me too well now. I can't help myself. He smiles knowingly. Ah, well, you watch out for those kelpies. They'll be taking you away if you don't watch out. I laugh politely, but somehow the storekeeper's words kind of grated. I mean, why would the Kelpies want to hurt someone who was also passionate about the water? I'm sure that they're kind and not malicious and sometimes cruel as they're often portrayed to be. 
Do you really believe they exist? I probe. Aye, that they do, although folks will no doubt deny it. If they were honest, everyone really believes that they're here. Too many people have seen them, he says. Are they... I mean, have they ever been known as Atlanteans? I ask. The man looks at me as though I'm talking about purple elephants. Atlanteans? What are they? I change the subject. I've just seen a dog along the shoreline. What kind of dog is it? Fraser. It's enormous. Can't tell you that because I've no idea, comes the reply. That dog, Leardolph's dog, brought it brought him from Canada, he did. So perhaps it's some kind of Canadian breed. It's mighty fine though, isn't he? Very unusual, I agree. My hand's beginning to tingle and I'm feeling an energy rush of recognition. Okay, well thanks and see you soon. I leave the store and walk back to the van deep in thought. The name Leodolf keeps coming up. I need to find out more about him. I start my van and I set off in the direction of May's house. Leodolf had half expected Alex to mock him and said so. Come on, mate, Alex said, handing him a second cup of coffee. After what we, I mean you and I, have come to understand about so-called mythical creatures, I'm hardly going to doubt that similar things exist here, am I? Leodolf shook his head. Not so much they exist, but more like, what do they want with me? He looked down at the sword and the shell necklace that May was now holding. Pick up anything? he asked. Lots of things, May replies, her eyes sparkling with an inner knowing. Lots of things, she repeated, handing the sword to Alex. Well, Leodolf said, help me, May, for God's sake. May laughed. You seem pretty determined to get to the bottom of this. Well, it's strange, but it's kind of like pulling at my heart, Leodolf said. Not so much that, he continued, pointing at the sword, but those shells. Do you think the same being placed them on the jetty? I think that's highly likely, May replied. I think that both items have belonged to you, you know, in the past. In a past life, you mean? Leodolf said. Well, I can just about accept that with the sword, but the necklace? And what would that have to do with the sea folk, these Atlanteans? I'm picking up a strong connection to the Atlanteans with both items, May replied. The energy of them is deeply embedded within them both, but more so the necklace. I know it's made from shells that obviously came from the sea, but there's more to it than that. The woman who wore them, she had a deep connection to the water. Perhaps she was an Atlantean. Are you saying that I was an Atlantean and I gave my, oh, I don't know, wife or something, this necklace, Leodolf asked, taking the string of shells back from May. No, May replied. I'm saying that the woman was probably from Atlantia. I don't actually feel that you were. And what about the long, slender form in the water? Another mythical creature, no doubt about it, Alex butted in. 
Either way, I wouldn't be in a rush to talk about it in public. It, and you, could be the subject to investigation. Sightings of mythical creatures in the lochs always creates massive public interest and Nessie hunters from all around the globe in all likelihood would come and hone in for a sighting or to prove what you saw was fake. Lidov cringed. No thanks. I don't relish such interest for the Atlanteans or myself for that matter. He replaced the shells around his neck and caught May smiling. What is it? he asked. Oh, nothing much, May replied elusively as a white van pulled up into the driveway. Kaya stepped out from the van and waved at May, who was smiling out from her kitchen window. May disappeared and a moment later opened the front door. Hi, May. Hi, Kaya. What an unexpected surprise, May says, giving me a hug. Come on in. There's someone here I really want you to meet. Really? Who? I ask. Come and see. I follow May towards the kitchen and am greeted by the enormous wolf-like dog that I've seen earlier, and my heart skips a beat. Fraser? I whisper as the great wolf sniffs at my hand and then licks it. I rub my hand across the top of the dog's head and aware that all my senses are on high alert. My heart is racing in my chest and I feel decidedly light-headed. Are you okay? whispers May, sensing my unease, I guess. I think so, I reply in a low voice. I don't quite know what's the matter with me. Oh, I think you do, says May with a smile. Come on in. I follow her into the kitchen and catch sight of Leodolf. He's facing away from me, speaking to Alex about a sword that Alex is holding. And he turns to face me as I walk into the room and my eyes meet. It's as though all the illusion of time and space fall away. I feel my heart explode with light and recognition. And from the look on Leodolf's face, he experiences the same takes a step towards me as though to lift me off my feet and then suddenly remembers in this paradigm at least we haven't met. Leodolf, he says, holding out his hand and gazing deep into my eyes. I find myself blushing. Kaya, I reply with a smile. Kaya? Leodolf looks around at Alex and May who are grinning at him. You didn't say... Nothing to say, May interrupts. This is Kaya, Kaya, Leodolf. Now... Who'd like some fresh-baked scones and jam, she says with a chuckle. Yeah, that'd be great, thanks, Leodolf says, not taking his eyes off me. Well, you two run along outside with Fraser then and I'll just knock some together. Won't take a jiffy, about 20 minutes. Leodolf grins. Okay, we'll be back in a bit then. Shall we? He indicates the door. I look at May's smiling face and grin. Thanks, May, I say my eyes dancing at May's unashamed scheming. I'll see you in a bit. I let my two dogs out the van and instantly they begin a game of tag with Fraser and tear off after him down onto the shoreline. I walk along behind with Leodolf. It's funny, I'm kind of amused at how uncomfortable Leodolf appears to be. For such a rugged man's man guy, he seems to be falling apart. 
He keeps running his hands through his hair and then pushing them in his pockets. I can't help but smile, which seems to make that make him even worse. Am I really that scary? I say at last. Leodolf turns to face me. It's just, oh hell, he says. I stand gazing at him, saying nothing. Now see, don't do that. That doesn't help, Leodolf says with a groan. Do what? I ask. That! Look at me with those big blue eyes like that. I just want to whisk you off your feet and kiss you. And that doesn't help either, he exclaims, as he continues to look at me with my eyes widening. I laugh. <laughs> Leodolf smiles. Gosh, I feel like I'm sinking into pools of turquoise and feel like I'm being scanned. It's as though you can see into my soul. There's something you need to see, look, he says, as we approach the place where he's pulled his boat up onto the shoreline. He points down to the name he's painted on it. I gasp as I recognise the boat from my dream. In my dream, the boat had been rotten, but now here it was, fully restored. Meg's boat. My boat. And then I noticed the name that Leardol's painted on it. Kaya. I look up into his face and in that instant Leodolf seems to lose himself. He circles his arms around me and sweeping me off my feet spins me round in delight. Meg! My sweet Meg! He laughs. Oh my God! Meg! He kisses my forehead and my eyes and gone is linear time. Gone is third dimensional protocol. In this moment there only exists our love and that, it seems, has endured it all. Thank you for listening. And so that you don't miss an episode of Kaya's journey from Dimensions the Awakening, then please follow the podcast K Arwin Dimensions the book series. And for more information on the author, check out kayamia.co.uk. Until next time, I leave you with some Atlantean light language. Mm-hmm.